1: Good morning, wherever you may be in the United States, outside of the United States. We are here for the Guilty as Charged podcast, Saturday q and I'm Alex, and I'm here with my Kyle. Kyle, how are you doing today? Doing great,
2: Alex. We got game two, Avalanche versus Lightning tonight. Mm-hmm. Fired up for that, yeah. so it's a good day.
1: Yeah, Kyle's Avalanche looks to take a 2-0 lead, so we'll see how that pans out. As always, you can join our YouTube channel memberships, which are down below. If you want to check those out, check us out on Patreon. All the platforms, uh, expressvpn.com slash guilty, where you can commit illegal cybercrime. If you actually go get a subscription, you can use our promo code guilty for a three-month free trial of a VPN. Uh, and I think that's all the plugs. Go check out all the links in the description. But anyway, uh, we do have a couple comments in the chat. Uh, First, Tyler asks, uh, is the dentist going okay? I did go to the dentist. That was that went all right. Uh, so thank you for asking, Tyler. Uh, I think we covered this one a bit, but wrong. Speedy did ask, is there a chance that they bring back O'Day, or did he sign somewhere? Uh, he didn't sign anywhere, but O'Day did have a tweet a month ago um, that he's pretty much not coming back to the Chargers. Uh, so that, unfortunately, is looking a lot less likely. He said if they did uh, bring him back and filer to right tackle would become more interesting.
2: That would be incredible. That would be, you know, a great situation to be in if we had filer on right tackle, O'Day competing with, because a lot of people have said, well, um, I've talked about, you know, how we get some of these guys on the field. Um, what do we do if we try to flex out, you know, Salier out there or something like that? It's like, well, we don't really need to, we could move filer over. We could fill in that right guard spot with O'Day, and then have Zion play his natural left guard position. That'd be fun. But like Alex, you just said, there was a, that day. It was funny how it all took place, right? Uh, he sent out that that tweet, "Hey, LA, what's up?" And everyone was like, "Oh my!" Charger fans were like, "It's happening! It's happening!" Um, <laughs> and everyone got all fired up. But then it came out. I think half of us were like bracing for just doom and despair wondering if he was going to post something about getting signed to the Rams. Some of us were hoping that it did mean he was signing with the chargers. And then it just came out that it was just a, it was a nothing burger basically it just, yeah. he was just in town. And then he, yeah, he was just up. like, I'm just,
1: I'm just, I'm just going to the gym. I don't know what you guys are talking about. So I think he might've just been messing with us there, but uh, yeah, I think he did want to come back, but you know, the, the forces that be, I made mean, that uh, not happen. You know, I would like to have him back for depth, but I think the team is all right as it is for now. Um, Chris M asks, Daniel Popper seems really high on tight ends. Don't smart. Do you think he makes the team? Uh, I'll go ahead and say no right now as currently constructed, although he has been popping off these two days of minicamp. Um, but, I mean, they just, to me, have too many bodies in the tight end room. You had Gerald Everett. you have Donald Parham, McKitty. Um there's like the possibility he gets that fourth time spot that was kind of like Steven Anderson's. Um, so that's possible, but I just think there's too many bodies. Plus you have Hunter camp Moyer, plus you have, you know, the two fullback situation right now with Horvath and neighbors. Um, I, I would think a practice squad is much more likely for him, even if he is impressing the coaches.
2: Yeah. And, and that's still kind of making the team, right? Because yeah. some of those practice right. guys are going to get pulled up on a week by week basis
1: exactly yeah they are uh, I haven't looked a lot in stone smart uh, I just I like his name I mean anyone whose name stone uh, sounds like they could probably to being a football player quite a bit uh, so that sounds good all right so as always get those comments and super chats in true uh, Papa says he was waiting for a Student discount uh, that never came. Uh, I don't know what that is about, but he will let us know. Jack asks, if Guyton can prove himself as a gunner this season or any special teams standout. do you see him sticking around? If not, is he on the team next season? I'll let Kyle uh, go on that one first. What do you think,
2: Kyle? Sounds good, Alex. So the Chargers are going to be in an interesting situation with Guyton next year. He's still going to be a restricted free agent technically. So they'll have the ability to slap a tender on him, which really there's only two that they could use. Uh, That would be the second round tender or the right of refusal tender. The right of refusal tender wouldn't get us any compensation if we basically gave him some sort of or the right of refusal tender starts at this year. It was at like two million dollars. So let's say it increases another 14% from there, which is what I'm anticipating the cap to increase by. Don't make me do that mental math, but let's just say hypothetically, <laughs> 2.25 million right around there, okay? Um, so that would be for the right of refusal tender, but we wouldn't get compensation if he went and signed with another team. A team could then go and offer him a, let's say just hypothetically, two years, $15 million contract, if we would have, we would have the right to match that, but if we didn't match it, I'm not a hundred percent certain on this. So forgive me, but I believe we wouldn't get even a compensatory consideration the following year. So it's kind of the worst case scenario. If we go through with that uh, right of refusal tender, because I do believe we won't have the cap to sign him to what I think other teams might sign him for. Now, if we, signed him to the second round tender that this year was worth about $4 million. That might get up to like 4.4 by next year. That'd be a 4.4 million one one year contract. But if somebody went and signed him after that, then we would get a second round pick in consideration that year, not the following year. Like if it was a compensatory pick. So to answer long winded answer to your question, if Guyton blows up, The greatest advantage that could be for the Chargers is for other teams to see him as being worth signing to a contract and giving up their second round pick uh, instead of waiting the next year until he's available in free agency again, if we were to hit him with that $4 million tender. So that's what I'm kind of looking for. The other advantage to that is we have so many free agents that will be leaving this year and we are capped at being able to earn four compensatory picks for the 2024 draft. If you see where I'm going with this, if Guyton gets signed to a right. restricted free agent tender and we let him go, somebody ends up re-signing him. And then we have four free agents sign elsewhere to give us compensatory picks the year after we've net, netted five extra picks instead of just four. So that would get me fired up. And I think if he excels this year, there's a good chance we do that because four million dollars, as we've seen in this last year, is not that much for a wide receiver with that kind of speed.
1: Right. Um, I'm just saying, or are, are fun to talk about and idea that you could get an extra, more even that, um, based on you know his speed and his ability, if he really does blow up this year, that would be great. I I just think he's not on the team because they have Keenan Allen, you have Mike Williams, you've invested twenty million in both of them. Josh Palmer's on a rookie deal, um, and so at that point you kind of have your three wide receivers. You'll probably re sign DeAndre Carter or bring in like the special teams guy um, and then probably find a replacement for guidance somewhere else. I I just don't think that they would go uh, invest all of that into the wide receiver room, but you know, he could prove himself to be too vital to go uh, as well. And maybe they do second round tender and see, give him a nice pay bump while still having the contract be economically salvageable for one year, like Kyle said. Um, That might be the way to like kind of keep him if they wanted to, to do that. Um, Mark Matlock uh, who plays center if Lindsley gets hurt I think right now that is Will Clapp uh, who they got from the Saints uh, there's a backup guard center to replace Scott Quessenberry, uh has connections to the coaching staff don't really think anyone else would be under consideration um, you know you could look at like Brendan Jaimez or someone like that but you're probably you know putting someone who's a guard into a position they don't want to be in and I think they're, they're confident Will Clapp at this point uh, based on you know making him a priority when they signed him. Um, all right.
0: Oh, That's Teresa Campapa
1: says he was he was talking about a student discount for the GAC membership. Um, I don't I don't think we give those out. Uh, Tyler Tyler leads the GAC membership, so you would have to ask him. if There's a student discount for that, but I don't don't think there currently is. Uh, <laughs> if the following players have decent seasons. Who's more likely to get a second contract? Tillery, not or guyton. Kyle, if you want to go on this one first.
2: Yeah. Um, Tillery's a reason, no. So we'll rank him last. <laughs> <laughs> I would say because of the yeah. restricted free agent thing, it's guyton because Tillery or it's because Adderley has the potential to make a lot of money this year. So or next year, earn this, earn the money this year and make it next year. I, but we will be clued into that based on how many snaps we see in a three safety formation in the first couple of weeks of the season. I think if we are regularly seeing what I've been hoping to see, but hasn't shown itself in practice yet. So, you know, obviously Staley doesn't care about what I think is the best move. So he's going to do what he wants to do if he's rolling out Callahan as our slot cornerback or star cornerback more than we see Derwin come up and play in that slot role and, you know, rock a three safety set instead of a three cornerback set when we're in our nickel formation, then we're kind of seeing, okay, Staley's probably not going to see a third safety as a starting type player. And we just drafted Woods. So why would we keep Adderley? That's going to be the tough thing. Adderley might also give us the best chance of getting a third round, probably more like a fourth round compensatory pick. So it's not all bad, but I personally really like what Adderley brings to this defense. I think he represents the exact kind of safety that Staley needs. He just needs to clean up his tackling a little bit and not always go for the home runs when playing a pass. But overall, I think that size of speed and tenacity and willingness to get in and involve involved in the running game is what we need from our safeties.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, Tillery last (laughs) that that, I don't think this is particularly close. Um, I guess the only thing is like, if he has a good year, then they could bring him back next year. But like they would have picked up the fifth year option if they were bringing Tillery back. Um, I, to me, declining the fifth year option is a pretty evident sign he's not going to be here. Um, yeah, I would say Guyton is probably the most likely to be back just because of the restricted free agent, free agent contract. Um, if that wasn't a thing, then maybe Nas, but they did just draft JT Woods uh, and sort of skipped on wide receiver this draft um, entirely because they have Josh Palmer. So um, I would tend to think that Guyton is the most likely to come back. Um, but, you know, Nas could come back, I think, as well in, in certain scenarios, but I, I just think the money you're going to be paying Derwin and the the JT Woods pick, the running kind of is on the wall there. Uh, Depends on his season, though, of course. Um, This comes from Stephen Gallard. Way too early prediction. We should target the 32nd overall pick in next year's draft. Of course, asking the first round pick need next year. Um, I'll take Stephen spot on the show and say right tackle. Uh, That seems to be the predominant (laughs) need early on. As of now, uh, that could always change, and you know you take uh, whoever is kind of like best player available at a certain position. But uh, that that is kind of the glaring hole in this. Currently, there's probably a couple other places you could go. Uh, Kyle, anything other than offensive line next year? What what would be the position if the Chargers weren't to take a tackle in the first round?
2: Uh, It's not about the position for me. It's about the player. There's yeah, I am a big I'm a big fan of Michael Mayer. I've uh <laughs> oh yeah had a, Michael Mayer is living in my head rent-free. Um uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a shrine in there to him somewhere. Um for those that don't know who he is, he's the tight end from Notre Dame. He's often nicknamed Baby Gronk. He came into Notre Dame as a freshman at six four, like two fifty. So that's like 18, 19 years old, 6'4", 250. That's not that's not normal. And he plays like a just stud, like a big, strong, physical linebacker or sorry, linebacker, tight end. He excels in, you know, contested catches and his route running. He's dangerous when he has the ball in his hands after the catch. I'm just a huge fan of his. He would represent that kind of two way tight end. You want to see that will be very productive in the blocking game and also a a surefire uh, just, you know, safety net for Herbert down the road. And I know it's you know it's not like we have a barren tight end room right now, but he would be an exceptional talent and somebody that would be excellent to deploy in two tight end sets. And it's fair to note that Everett's only here on a two-year deal. And first round tight ends or tight ends in general are one of those positions that does take a little bit of acclimation to the speed of the game and to the difficulty in blocking some of those defensive linemen and uh, linebackers, So to have him next year with Everett in a contract year would kind of put us in a position to not have to put all of our eggs in the Everett basket. And I think the tight end that a four man tight end room of those two along with Parham and McKinney would be great, assuming that we are able to resign Parham, perhaps Parham does well enough this year to where we can let him go and contribute to that compensatory formula. But Overall, I think Michael Mayer, no matter, even if we were signed, everybody back is a guy that would find his way on the field and be a very big impact player for us. Yeah. And yes, James, um, That's right. And then Tess, Telesco can go right back to Notre <laughs> Dame. And have
1: fun <laughs> yeah. Telesco's taken, taking a year off of Notre Dame. So, you know, in, in 2023, it's going to be back on to getting Notre Dame players, maybe in the first round if they really wanted to go for a tight end. Um, there's no other position that strikes me. This will obviously become a lot more clear when we do our 2023 like draft research too in terms of what positions are really deep, what positions aren't. Um, I don't have a lot of takes on that right now, but I would just say probably you're looking at right tackle as like obviously the predominant thing. If they want to take an offensive lineman in the first round and then after that, you're probably looking at Tough. I maybe you go for like someone more secondary help if Staley wants to like build that out as kind of a surprise pick. Even though they've invested a lot in there, Staley's kind of reaffirmed that he wants to like keep investing picks into cornerbacks and safeties. So I mean that wouldn't surprise me. We obviously know how much he lo- loved Derek Stingley this year. Uh, he ended up going you know third overall. But um, had had he been there, you know, for the Chargers at the pick that he was, Staley probably would have taken him right, even over Zion Johnson, even over all that. So I do think cornerback and safety is probably something that doesn't get talked about a lot in terms of something that's a, a big need for them anymore because they signed J.C. Jackson. But I do think Brandon Staley is always looking to add on to that secondary.
2: Um, That's a great point, Alex. And, and knowing that Callahan is taking starter reps right now and is on oh, a yeah. one-year deal, and Michael Davis is already – you know, slid back to uh, what the fourth cornerback for us right now. So that's indicative that he's probably gone next year, unless something happens in training camp or he really steps it up during the regular season. Just right now, it seems like Staley's mindset is, yeah, he's kind of fallen out of favor. So all of a sudden we could be losing two guys that are taking significant snaps this year. And I think you're onto something with that cornerback idea. I think that definitely could be something we pursue.
1: Yeah. I mean, Cal, even if you're kind of like, okay, Callahan has like a breakout year, he leaves, you know, goes get goes to get the bag elsewhere, Michael Davis gets cut, they save $7 million, now you're just down to J.C. Jackson and Asante Samuel Jr. And suddenly, you know, you need an influx of quarterbacks, uh, you need an influx of DBs. So I think that just happens very quickly in the NFL, uh, quicker than people kind of think about generally speaking. Um, Omar asks, after all the additions, what part of the field are you most worried about? Personally, I'm curious to see how Staley approaches special teams this year. Uh, obviously, with new special teams coordinator Ryan Thicken in the fold, um, what I think I kind of know the answer. But what part of the field are you most worried about, Kyle?
2: Oh, myself, I yeah. Man. Well, it's the obvious, you know, one that we're going to just hammer on all the time. It's the uh, f- the part of the field that is approximately six feet to Corey Lindsley's right. <laughs> <laughs> just the very precise part of the field that I'm the most worried about. Um, okay. That's if
1: we, if we were to break this down into the like three parts of the field, right? If we said, you know, let, let's just say uh, first, second, third level of offense and defense. If we just were to break it down like that, what kind of stands out to you then? If we just said area of the field. I guess also <laughs> special teams.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, let's see how special teams looks. I, I do not claim to be an expert in special teams at all. Mm-hmm. I just was a big fan of David Benn when he was the long snapper for us back in the day. But other than that, I would say, I, I'm not, I mean, the obvious answer is, you know, middle linebacker and, you know, just our intermediate uh you know, that second level of our defense. But I think I'm higher on it than most people. I'm really, really, really high on our roster right now. I don't have that many concerns. I think the most interesting thing is going to be how Lombardi play calls on offense and whether or not we take a step forward or we take a step back. Because defense looks like it's going to step forward. I don't have that many concerns, but I really want to see Lombardi makes sure that this offense isn't stale, that he really puts his money where his mouth is with the creativity and wrinkles that he says he's going to add in. That's where I'm most curious at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, I'd say the linebackers as well, to, to back off of your point. like There's just so many variables in there. What do they think of Drew Tranquil at this point? Is Kenneth Murray going to be healthy and stay healthy? And if he is healthy, like what level is he getting? Giving you as you're probably starting middle linebacker, what's Kyle Van Noy doing, right? Like we sort of talked about this last podcast where it seems like he's going to be a linebacker edge hybrid, but what percent is he going to be playing linebacker? What percent is he going to be playing more standard edge? Um, I, I think that's kind of the big question in terms of that defense, because I, I, I think everyone feels pretty confident about the first and the third levels, but that second level, I think, is going to kind of make or break a lot of drives for the Chargers, especially given their, their history on run defense. Uh, in particular, even though they did add Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day. Yeah. Um, Oh, we we just talked about Joe Lombardi. Um, Assuming that our offense is, again, top five, anyone specific on your radar to take over for Joe Lombardi uh, after he takes a head coaching gig next year, will Staley try to keep a similar offensive scheme?
2: That's a great question. Alex, do you know if there's somebody within our Organization right now that could be internally um, given the position.
1: I mean, I would assume Shane Day as quarterbacks coach. They, I mean, we uh, well, we didn't really see that with Pep Hamilton. But Pep Hamilton obviously kind of like bounced around a little bit. Um, I, I would say it would and be Shane and Day,
2: and
1: yeah, um, yeah, I, I would say Shane Day would probably go from QB coach to offensive coordinator if Lombardi were to go. But again, that's all speculative, and then. You know, you could obviously probably have to interview people from outside instead of just giving them the job. So um, I think they try to keep a similar offensive scheme. You know, what works, works, works. Uh, But I, I don't think they'll try to reinvent the wheel too much. And honestly, you don't have to reinvent the wheel that much because you have Justin Herbert, right? I like think that is kind of what the offense is. Uh, so even if Lombardi were to leave, I don't think a whole lot would change. Uh, Chris in the chat brings up tight ends coach uh, Kevin Hoger. Right, that's another name we've kind of talked about. Um, so I, I think there are some internal candidates that they could look at, but I, I don't think there's anyone that's terribly obvious at this point. Uh, Lombardi, I think, interviewed for the Texans' job last year. Uh, I don't know if he interviewed for another one, but I remember that he was like one of the final like three or four candidates for that job. So I, I do think there is interest around the league in him, and of course, if you know you're resume just says, hey, I coached Justin Herbert and we went to the playoffs and (laughs) and we are really good, then it's probably going to be someone who gives you a job, uh, except if your name is the enemy. Uh, Of course, Um, what position do you think Telesco is most likely to add some resources mid-training camp uh, this offseason other than right tackle? So, if we're talking about mid camp signings,
2: punter, um, Maybe. yeah,
1: well, the Punter. yeah, because that was another note from Daniel Popper's uh thing is Ben Griffiths, who was there in a tryout role, but they didn't mm-hmm. sign him, so like he's still kind of bouncing around the facility, but he's not on the team yet. Um, so if they're not happy with JK Scott, if they're not happy with you know what they've done in the punter room in general. That could be one where they uh, pursue something. Um, actually, do they have a kicker other than Dustin Hopkins right now? I actually don't know. That was something that I was thinking about because, I mean, Dustin Hopkins, obviously. To the Googles. Yeah, to the, to the Googles. Uh, but now Viscano's in New England. Yeah, he's in New England now. Um, mm-hmm. So I was thinking that they were bringing in a kicker, that was like competition. Um, even if they know they're giving Dustin Hopkins the job. I, I don't remember if they have a kicker. Uh, that's like a backup at the top
2: of my head. We do. We have James McCourt. Hmm. <laughs> where? Who is he? <laughs> I don't know. But I don't know who he is, but it, on <laughs> the Chargers noticed. website, they have a picture of him in a Chargers jersey. He kind of looks like Oscar Isaac. Uh-huh. Um, so okay. he's... He He's, he he's been there for media day.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't. I would. I would guess that not a single Chargers media member knew who James McCourt was. As good as Daniel Popper is, if you just asked him point blank, "Who's James McCourt?" he would be like, uh, <laughs> "I don't know who that is either." Um, but at, at least they do have a kicker that's uh, competition. So. I mean, obviously, injuries are the biggest thing, right? We've we've seen this happen in a couple training camps, unfortunately. Right, Derwin got hurt a couple of years ago, uh, and then agents that that was the hard knocks. Your agents started ringing Tom Telesco's phone live on hard knocks um, yeah. when Derwin did get hurt. So, I mean, I, I would say at least it just be injury related. Um, if there is something that happens to Chargers and then something something happens
2: there. So, hey, I do have a little bit of background on them for you.
1: Okay, um, Let, let's let's talk rookie. about James McCourt. It's June eighteenth.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have James McCourt is a rookie, undrafted free agent rookie. Uh, he played uh, for Illinois football. Call it Illinois football, not Illinois yeah. football. It looks like. Um, well, they're the, the they're, the cr-
1: Illinois, they're the Illinois Fighting Illini. That 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 is like the name of the team. That can't be real. That's, no, that, that is a wait, funny wait, name. wait, 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 wait. That No, I you're think you're right. The, I think
2: that's what it says. Yeah. The yeah. fighting Illini. Man,
1: yeah. That the, is a funny. It, name. Fighting Illini. Yeah. This is, that, this is that's, how little that's I know whole about team.
2: college football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, I, I, there I only know that
1: because they're in, they're in the big 10 and there's like one national television game every year where you have to watch them and like some shitty quarterback that is going to be on a practice squad in a few years in the NFL. Uh, Oh, speaking of, Brandon Peters is on the Chargers. He's, he's like our th- fourth string quarterback right now. Um nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good poll. But uh, yeah, no. So, the, yeah. The, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So they have the backup kicker now from Illinois and their fourth string quarterback. Um, nice. Yeah.
2: Well, so. he has the most career 50 plus yard field goals in program history. Okay. Uh, he. Has the single, he's the single season regular, um, he's the regular season holder or sorry they they wrote this awkwardly on the website, but he has the most 50 yard field goals in the regular season in the program. Uh, four times he hit two plus 50 yarders. Um, sorry, four, two seasons he hit four 50 plus yarders. Um, so that's cool. Um, six most field goals in a season. That's, eh, that's neither here nor there. Not great right. accuracy. Uh, eighth best career field goal accuracy in the program with seventy one point two percent. But he was two. He was um, all Big Ten twice. So I guess that's there's okay. There's okay. That's not something there. <laughs> Yeah, he's got he's got length. Apparently, he can he can stretch the field with his leg. But that's looks like looks like it's about it. Seventy one percent. Not not inspiring confidence in me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I think me and Tyler last year had a bet on the show about whether Michael Badgley would go over eighty-two and a half percent, and then Michael Badgley got cut. Um, so that was that was a fun time. Uh, well, did did you track it after he I went to the
2: Colts? Because he kicked butt.
1: Uh, you no, know, we, we said the bet was cut by the Chargers, so the bet only applied uh. if it was the Chargers. So we we didn't track if it was the Colts. Otherwise. Because, lost, because I bet under and a half percent <laughs> so. uh, Oh, my God. Uh, SoCal slime asked, did you guys see Chris's quarterback rankings? If not, what do you guys think about Justin at four? I actually think Justin was three in that ranking, because I did, unfortunately, see the Chris Sims rankings. <laughs> um, I think he had Allen one, Mahomes two, Herbert three, Burrow for Rogers five. Um, uh, I I don't I don't understand how I put Burrow over Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I will stick by that. I I like Joe Burrow.
2: Alex, did we lose you? People in the chat, did we just lose Alex? Can you guys hear him?
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed.
2: People in the chat. Have we lost Alex? Are y'all losing me? (laughs) Thank you, Teresa. Okay. It's Alex. Okay. So I'll keep going with that question. So. Chris Sims quarterback rankings. Yes, he was ranked third. I think to piggyback off of what Alex was saying, it's really hard to see Burrow ranked ahead of Rodgers. And hey, guys, for the sake of objectivity, please, Alex, looks like you're back. Okay, excellent. Looks excellent. like I'm back.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. You, yeah, um, I am using Starbucks Wi-Fi. They they got me on there. Um, <laughs> oops. Yeah,
2: but Alex, I think you were saying it's hard seeing Aaron Rodgers behind burrow and i'll agree with you and just to be objective just to be objective Mm -hmm. i would say herbert hasn't quite earned being in front of aaron yet as well but i personally would take herbert every day of the week over aaron right now at this point in his in his career and i believe it's very likely he will outperform him this year but if yeah. if we're gonna say it about Burrow, I gotta say it about Herbert too. You know, Aaron Rodgers True. is a two time MVP that is coming back as the reigning MVP, so you gotta kind of give him the nod there. But looking forward to Herbert uh, getting the MVP this year and being number one on the list next year.
1: Um. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think if you had to do like a top five, you could either do top five projecting, which is like why I think on every top mm-hmm. three right now it's like Allen, Mahomes, Herbert. Uh, and then, yeah, you could either do like top five currently, and in that sense, I always kind of rank Mahomes, Rogers, one, two, uh, and then have like Allen and Herbert and all those guys that are probably projected to leap over Aaron Rodgers at some point, uh, you know, further on. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't understand how you go there. I, I know the analytics love uh, total completion percentage, CPOE, uh, has you know he was obviously the most accurate back last year but um I, I just don't understand the placement uh, gonna skip all of these comments about my wi-fi after all of that dropped <laughs> out oh. theresa just
2: you dude i love that one um
1: yeah <laughs> yeah well we, we do all the express <laughs> and promos but none of us can get good wi-fi that that is kind of true um <laughs> All right. Uh, Jack asks, what positions do you see being slimmed or bulked down on the 53-man team roster compared to last year? Like, do we carry three quarterbacks and four running backs again or slim those down and add a spot in other positions? Um, I'll say the biggest thing every every year is that we talk about how they're they're going to two quarterbacks and then they still keep Easton's tick. So Mm -hmm. I expect that to still be the case this year. I think they're going to keep four running backs again because, uh, you know, Brandon Steele kind of indicated this in his press conference this week, too, where, I mean, he does view Letty Brown and Marks pretty highly. Plus, they have Kelly and Roundtree, and they just drafted Spiller, so I don't see a world where they don't keep four running backs. Um, I'll say tight end is probably the one that could be shaved down because they carried four last year. That might be one where you carry three. Obviously, that could be like a Stone Smart Hunter Camboyer situation. One of those guys goes to the practice squad, or one of them makes the roster. But I think it's more likely that you keep three with Steven Anderson out of the fold. Um, trying to think of a position they kept a lot of last year. Uh, I guess D, D I think inside linebacker,
2: I think inside linebacker, they had a good amount of guys, they had like five, I believe, and they only play you know, one or two guys on the field at a time. That's a very decent amount of depth.
1: Yeah. So, but th- yeah, that goes into, the, like, the Amen ogbong thing because, to me, he's kind of, like, the fifth guy there. So, but, importantly, mm-hmm. from what Tyler and Steven and other people have heard, they're high on Amen ogbong So, that could be a position where we see how that actually plays out in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um I just, in general, in terms of making the roster, I like more wide receivers. I like more (laughs) cornerbacks. Like, just skill positions, really, on offense and defense. Um, I guess, yeah, that's the other thing, because we talked about them, the idea of keeping six wide receivers as well. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that, but if you have, like, a Jason Moore or Joe Reed who stands out, there could always be, you know, some potential for that. Um, But, yeah, last year they kept... Four wide receivers, and then also kept KJ Hill uh, over Tyron Johnson last year, which was infamous. But uh, yeah, I I don't think I don't think there's going to be big changes to what they did last year, but probably just a couple. Like maybe they keep one last tight end and one more defensive lineman, one last linebacker. Probably just small stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, the safety room is going to be very interesting because with Webb yeah, returning. I- in us adding woods to the mix uh, is Gilman going to be somebody that gets cut because he got a decent amount of playing time uh, last year. And, you know, there's times where he looked okay. There were times where he gave up um, some plays and coverage. So it'll be interesting to see if he's just outright released at this point or waived. Um, I don't know if he's played too much to be able to be stashed. Oh no, they, they love vets on the practice squad now. So he might be somebody that gets Knocked down to the practice squad this year.
1: Yeah. Be uh, I, I, yeah. I would say safety corner in general is going to be very interesting to see how they roll with that because we've talked about Dean Leonard as a guy that like has shown flashes, obviously, many, but we kind of projected him like outside looking in just because they have so many corners. They have so many DBs in general that it's just hard for some of these guys to make the roster. But, um, you know, how, yeah, it, I think that they keep more cornerbacks and safeties then you're probably cutting, like, one offensive position down, um, and, you know, in order to make up for it, or maybe the last quarterback who's not going to play. Uh, but they don't seem to really want to do that either, and they want to keep using the same ground. So we'll see how that plays out. Um ChorizoConPapas asks, who gets the first crack at in- an interior offensive line in the event Matt gets moved to right tackle or uh, Matt, Zion, or Corey go down? Um, well, Corey Corey is pretty clearly well climb in um, just because that's its own thing. Zion or Matt, though, like g- I guess it would just be
2: Brendan Himes at this point. Coming in. I think it's an open competition right now.
1: Yeah. Open comp- um, yeah, open competition right now. But if if I had to guess, I would say him, not not a whole lot of
2: I would guess yeah. week one, it might be clap, uh, just because of the veterancy. Yeah. see, unless yeah. Amos has shown in camp that he's ready. I know like Matt Money Smith was really amped on uh on him last year and thought he actually might take over the right tackle position. So it's kind of shocking to see how little he was used last year after how much hype he was getting in the, in training camp. So Mm -hmm. who knows, maybe he, maybe we even see him jump storm somehow. I don't know. That's kind of the vibe that people were, were getting last year that he might be the backup to Bulaga, but I'm not counting on it. It's not something I, I'm, you know, I would bet my bottom dollar on, but could, you know, Could he slide in there? Like you said, possibly, but I think right now with us bringing on the Saints old offensive lineman, and that's why he came over or sorry, offensive line coach. And that's why he came over that he probably has it to lose initially with the ability for it to be lost with a good camp from any one of the other guys, including Salyer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that as well. Um, Steven Gillard says, Neighbors can go to the practice squad. He can still bunk with Herbert. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that Neighbors is going to survive. Uh, Horvath seems like he gets, seems like, yeah, I mean, I I, I think Horvath pretty easily has that. And the Neighbors goes to the practice squad. Uh, Jusokon Pampas asks, Who has more sacks in the first game? than in Mac or Crosby? Um, I'm going to say <laughs> Crosby just because of our right tackle situation right now. Um, I wish I could say otherwise, but as long as Storm Dorn and Pippins are there, I, I think that's the just automatic answer to that question right now. Um,
2: if Filer were to get moved, I would say Mac all day. If Filer was moved yeah. out to right tackle, if he's yeah. not and we're rolling out Storm again, I think it's Crosby.
1: Yep. Uh, someone actually did have a Horvath question before. My Wi-Fi died. Let me see if I can find it. Um, it was right up your alley as well. Uh, <laughs> let me see. Uh, someone asked just in general, like, how Horvath would be. Oh, yeah. Here we go. What are your hopes for Xander? Uh, I can't make heads or tails of him, but there's some hype. So I'll let the resident Xander Horvath uh, fanboy go first.
2: So if we're this talking about just just hopes for Xander. Um, It's that he is a Peyton Hillis type or Mike Allstott, you know, uh, somebody that is not just a blocking fullback. He's somebody, when you look at his tape, he is fairly agile for a guy, his size, he's extremely explosive. Like it might take him one step, but then that second step looks great. Uh, He can absolutely hit a hole with, you know, some speed with uh, decisiveness, and he's not easy to bring down. So my hopes would be to see him on a lot of third down uh, packages uh, in the goal line because he also has great hands. So if we're in goal line or in third down, I really like him as an outlet for Herbert. He actually has good route running when you watch his pro or his pro day tape and not just his games because in his games, the coaching – just had him doing basic little um, routes to the flats, but I think there's a lot more there than what we saw. Uh, So I really would love to see, it's not going to happen often, but some games where he gets as many as like 10, 10 touches and he's just kind of wearing down the defense a little bit and being a true change of pace back when contrasted against Eckler. And with that play style, I love the fact that, you know, Horvath can be an effective lead blocker for Eckler, but we could also flex Eckler out to the slot and let him, you know, be more of a receiver, or sometimes we like to put him out wide even, uh, but let him be more of a receiver and not lose the risk of a running play because he really, really, especially on like a draw where, you know, the defensive line might start pass rushing and he takes the inside handoff and, has just like one linebacker to truck over before he gets a large game. Uh, There's a lot of things they can do with him. I just hope he gets used and utilized as a true power runner with versatility.
1: Yeah, I I hope so as well. And and you mentioned kind of the like receiving aspect of his play too. That's something that when they've had Kelly on the field, when they've had Roundtree on the field, like you you just know that they're not going to throw to those guys. And when they do throw to those guys, it usually doesn't go super well. Um, so I would say that in in that sense, Horvath already over them in terms of like his receiving ability. Um, you know, Isaiah Spiller can obviously kind of be a change of pace back from Austin Eckler and that's what they drafted him to be as their RB2. But I think Horvath, there's a legit argument for him to be some kind of like RB3 type, uh, on this roster based on how they constructed it. If that's how it plays out in actuality, right? We have to see. But um, right now, I think he's a pretty high priority fullback with some decent running back potential, as Kyle has, uh, as Kyle said. Um, uh, <laughs> Teresa Kambapa says, "Let's hope the Raiders kick Leatherwood back out to right tackle." Uh, I'd love that. I don't <laughs> don't know if that's actually what they're going to end up doing uh, for for their sake. Um... Uh when neighbors gets cut, does the victory brisket die with him? Um I I, I think the team yeah. keeps it as a tradition. Now I, I think that's more a Herbert thing at this point uh than it is a neighbors thing. So I think they're gonna keep doing it. But maybe they'll have like one final brisket after he's cut and sent down to the practice squad. But um <laughs> that'll be that'll be interesting to watch. Uh
2: long speedy. Wrong oh. wrong real quick, Alex, Wrong Speedy pointed out Mike Allstart type player for Horvath would be a godsend. Um, if you guys want a really fun video to go watch as Charger fans, there was a game that Mike Allstott and Lorenzo Neal were the two running backs for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> that were being used heavily. And it was just kind of a screw you, we're running the ball down your throat game. Just two of the Two big power rushers as the running backs. It's a very, very, very fun watch, especially as, (laughs) you know, Charger Lorenzo Neal fans.
1: Yeah, that also sounds like one of those games that makes you feel like, oh, that one was definitely played 20 years ago (laughs) against Lorenzo Neal, but those those are definitely the good old days uh, compared to some of the modern NFL stuff. Uh, Rich E has a super chat in here, get your super chats in if you want your question automatically answered Uh, with a better defense do you think Herbert's stats go down since ideally we'll have leads more often Um, so I guess this is something we talk about when we talk about MVP, when we talk about all those kind of like potential awards or stats I don't really think they would go down, in fact like I think if you have a defense that's creating more takeaways, right, like that would bring up Herbert's stats like in theory to maybe when he throw 36 touchdowns last year. So you could get that up to 40, right? Uh, If you have like a couple more drives, go the Chargers way. Um, So yeah, to me, I would say that having a better defense means you ultimately have more scoring opportunities. Uh, Maybe those aren't all like Herbert touchdowns or Herbert passing yards, but uh, just by default i think that they would actually go up even if they do have leads uh and i think that you've seen this as a a coaching staff uh really last year that does not want to get conservative when they do have a lead uh so for for me i think that a better defense ultimately leads to better offense
2: yeah yep couldn't agree more yep um Kyle Tucker. Yes. That's exactly what we meant by that. What I meant by that game. You nailed it. I won't repeat repeat it, but yes, that's exactly the kind of game it was.
1: Uh, Wrong Speedy asks, do the Browns go over 500 this year? Um, Depends. I mean, this is such a, because there was that report today that they're going to like potentially suspend Deshaun for the year. Um, So, I mean, if that were to happen, then no. Uh but I don't think that puts Baker back into play uh since he's probably going to Carolina. So I would probably vote no on that right now.
2: Who do they have behind behind him? They brought somebody on that uh
1: Brissett. They signed Jacoby Brissett. Um oh, I which think I, mean, I think they
2: could go 500.
1: Yeah. I, I I was just thinking about it through the context of like if he's your QB1 and you have to go against Burrow, um uh, Lamar. I mean, we'll see the Steelers never have a losing record, even if Kenny Pickett's their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, that could still like be last team in the division potential. Uh, even yeah. with the pieces they have on defense. So I don't know. Uh I would say that if Deshaun doesn't play, they're probably like the fourth team in the division, which probably means you're going under five hundred. Um I have to put it on because he made it a super chat. Uh Papa says, this is a donation to upgrade Alex's Wi-Fi. Please do not misappropriate these funds. That is all... Um, these funds are going to be misappropriated just because you, you made the comment. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, as we just said, Baker's not going to play the Browns, and I think he's still going to Carolina. That seems to be a thing that's in flux as it is now, but um, no, I, I don't think that Baker ends up playing Browns if Deshaun is suspended
2: um Uh, if we want to build on that though Alex I would say Baker's handling of this could not have been worse for him I think a lot of us saw potential possible year-long suspension for Deshaun right I mean even the Browns indicated that that was a significant possibility by keeping his salary at a million dollars this year Mm -hmm. to try to prevent the league from being able to like take some of that money from him and Baker by throwing this temper tantrum is now in a position where like you, like you mentioned in a contract year, he could be going to a much, much worse team instead of sticking around and playing for the Browns and then getting the bag. Because I, I would have said if they hadn't if they hadn't traded for Deshaun and if he hadn't thrown this fit, if Baker just was given a chance to let his shoulder heal and came out for another season, there's a good chance that he would have brought himself up again to at least an above average level as a quarterback. And I don't mean, you know, top 10. I mean right. muddled in that 14, 15, 16 17th ranking. And that's gonna get you paid in this league. I think. I I really think him going to Carolina now is going to put him in that same sort of potential of being a Darnold or being somebody that now has to go learn a system and be on a subpar team and really let that affect his stats. So that was probably the worst way he could have handled it instead of staying home with a very good team with playoff potential and just trying to return to his 2020, um, playing.
1: Yeah. Um, it was very like ben simmonsy right where it's just like once you take yourself away from the team entirely and you're not showing up to practice and then you know people don't see you and suddenly you're in a sub you know it, i guess ben simmons is different cuz he got traded to the nets uh, and then t- decided not to play <laughs> still um, but i think any time that you don't show up to work and you don't show up to, you know to have your teammates it makes the situation incidentally worse not just for the team but also for baker himself like like you kind of mentioned um so yeah I, I do think that he didn't handle it quite as well as he could have um uh steven says panthers have better pass catchers than the browns in my opinion more anderson and marshall browns got uh joku Who do the browns did Browns just get amari cooper
2: Ooh, they may have. Yeah, let me double yeah,
1: check. The Browns, yeah, I was going to say, because yeah. I was trying to remember who the Browns receivers are, just because, like, obviously Odell's gone and Jarvis is gone. But, I mean, Amari Cooper is still a top-ten receiver. Like, I mean, I, I would not knock the Browns down that bad. And they have Anthony Schwartz and some other weapons still. Um, Panthers have better weapons, arguably, but a much worse overall team than the Browns. So, I mean, I don't think that's worth the trade off.
2: Dude, if they have, I saw one name. Dude, Jakeem Grant. I like that guy. He's nice. Um, he, uh, on the, he's on the he, Browns. A, yeah, yeah. He oh, they okay. signed him this no, year. I, I like Jakeem he's Grant, a slippery yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh they the other standouts I'd say are like just people that catch your eye, are Harrison Bryant actually had some good games with them. They had some chemistry. Um, we also have Peoples Jones, uh had oh, chemistry yeah. with baker so i mean they still have they still have guys i would yeah
1: not, uh, i mean like you can't talk about them also without talking about their running back room and right now they have chubb they have hunt and they have my guy Jerome Ford, uh in the running back room now so like to me plus their offensive line and everything they have like i if i'm baker like you said i'd much rather be with the browns uh oh and they have Darius johnson too uh I've, i think still yeah, so they're loaded, right? Like, I mean, even though they don't have, like... I, well, and they have Amari Cooper. Even though they don't have, like, a ton of guys that are, like, the best player at their position, I think they have plenty still of offensive talent. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'd still rather be there in Carolina. And once you for the defense, like, it, it's not even close in that regard. Um, yeah. Clinton Sims... Asks, would you like the addition of Darius Slayton to the Chargers if he's cut by the Giants? Um, I would probably say no on this one. I think he's a little bit redundant with what they have in other guys. Um, if they were looking even for burner or intermediate type, but yeah, um, I would say stick away to not taking Giants receivers. I, I think that's generally. <laughs> Uh, better for, better for offenses, better for the league. Uh, I, I don't see much utility to that. Um, and But yeah, no, I, I think Dernish Johnson would have been the perfect Charger. if the Chargers really wanted to have pursued that. Obviously, I think his contract would have been being created a little bit um, complicated, but I, man, that would have been something where I think <laughs> I would have offered the Browns. That would have really fortified their running back two position in a way where, uh, even though I think Isaiah Isabel- suppose going to be good i i think that would have been
2: really charge. i mean to get um, to get a guy like that for two or three million dollars because I, I, yeah, I don't yeah no one no one had spent more than two million dollars i think on their third running back um no one else in the league had done that so if we had even offered them two and a half million that's a lot for their third running back and now seeing that they have jerome ford which i don't know if we could still send a contract his way or not And Uh, I would would. Tyler wouldn't, but I would. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't know when the RFA tender is locked in, but man, if we still could, I would throw two and a half or three million at it. Because, again, even though even though we're maxed out a little bit at how many players we can uh, will earn us a compensatory free pick, he's one of those guys that could break out and pay you very well. Who knows how many how many carries he'd get with Spiller on the team now? But I still I would take him just in twenty twenty two over Spiller just because we we've seen him and his success in this league and it's there.
1: Yeah, I also just don't think it's the worst thing to pay two or three million for an RB two or even if he's RB three behind Spiller. Like Mm -hmm. you know, you're still getting really good value out of that. Then you can cut one of Roundtree or Kelly. You can kind of clean up the running back room and still you know. They're probably not going to do it just because, like, they have seventeen running backs now <laughs> um, as they view their <laughs> roster before the cutdowns. But um, I, I would have, you know, gone for that. Um, ooh, Churizo Canpapa says, name the seven AFC playoff teams and their seeding. So obviously, Jeez. this is very early; Jeez. a lot of things in flux. Um, I guess we'll go division. We'll go division winners first. So let's start. Okay. AFC West. Who's winning the West? Chargers. I still say Chiefs for now, um, ah. but, uh, I know, but I, I, I just have to see it, and I, I would love the Chargers do it, but if I'm just predicting, I, I think it has to be the Chiefs.
2: Uh, North. North, I would go... and now I'm making sure I don't screw anything up here and get exposed. North, I would have to go... I go Ravens. repeat it yeah i think the ravens are since somebody in the in the chat said dark horse they really are because they they overcame so many injuries last year to still be in the conversation and had an incredible draft so i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. go with you and say ravens
1: yeah like i i think people just go oh well they fell off last year but it's like lamar was hurt like john harbaugh isn't going you know had them in games they really shouldn't have been in without lamar mm-hmm. um and plus the draft like i i just think they're going to I, I don't know if i would go as far as to say they're gonna have like the 14 and 2 uh 2019 lamar year but like i don't know if they're that far off from having that level of dominance uh again even though the division uh prob probably is a lot better than it was then but i don't know uh i'd still take the ravens so okay uh, and as James
2: just asked, do the Ravens have wide receivers? Um, they have matter. wide receivers on their team <laughs> that won't yeah. drop wide open deep balls and then blame oh, the system. So,
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, people do the Ravens wide receivers thing, but it's like they've been having success without having great wide receivers, like, too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing I think come playoff time, like the fact that they don't really have, like, that great skill position player, like, that could affect them. But it's like, Lamar is the team. So, like, I mean, it almost – you would love to have receivers out there, but with how they do that offense, like, I, I think having, like, a high-value skill position players uh, matters matters a little bit less. Uh, AFC South.
2: I will say Colts all day. Um, I think um, I think they get the play from their quarterback that they needed last year in Ryan – and just by Ryan not, you know, trying to be a superhero and being willing to hand the ball off to Taylor. I think I think it runs through the running back room now and their defense, and they get it done and take the division.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think Colts just with the Ryan over Wentz upgrade, that makes a lot of sense. Um, plus, I mean, I don't know, like Derek Henry's coming back from injury um, mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill, last time we saw him was not very good. Uh, so I mean, that could be kind of like the decline of the Titans right now. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I would probably take the Colts there as well. So we have Colts, we have Colts, Ravens as division winners. I have the Chiefs, you have the Chargers, and then we have the East. Uh, I think we're both saying Bills. Bills, yeah, yep, we're both be. saying Bills. So do you want to give your wildcard teams first then for going? Five to seven?
2: Well, I guess since we're doing seeding, right, I guess we can both do our seedings real quick oh. within that. Just start one through okay. fours, and then just our 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 wild cards will seed as we yeah. say them. So what do you think? How would you stack those four?
1: Ravens one, Bills two, Chiefs three, Colts four. Chiefs
2: three. Colts if I had to wow. do it now Wow, okay. Okay. Yeah. I would definitely agree with you, Colts four. I think Ravens – man, that's tough. I think it goes Ravens and then Chargers. I
0: okay. think both
2: both become victims of very strong divisions and swapping some divisional games. The right. only reason I give the Chargers the nod is because they um, – I think we start out 2-0 personally. Yeah. I think – I think um, the Chiefs having those rookies, having so many rookies on defense, and having to refine their defensive identity will take. I think, and that's the reason I think the Chargers are going to uh, win the win our division. Is I think the Chiefs are going to struggle the first half of the year and then really pull it together and come alive the second half and be a threat in the playoffs. But so I would I would say Chargers get the slight edge within their division over the Ravens that boosts them into the second seed. And then, yeah, same as you, Bills take that first seed. Tua and Tyreek have emotional relationship issues <laughs> um, when Tyreek when he- when Tyre can't uh, get those 60-yard passes. And, um, and yeah, they're going to, you know, Patriots are going to be their biggest threat, but who knows if the Patriots repeat what they did last year. That'll be very interesting yeah. to see, too.
1: Yeah, they're they're sort of an offensive player. Uh, what what are they going to do? I mean, I, I don't know what that offense is going to be. They've talked about having like three four different people as the play caller, and it might might be mm-hmm. Patricia, who was previously their defensive coordinator. Um, that didn't end particularly well for them. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks there on offense in terms of who's going to be calling the plays. But, I mean, as long as you have Belichick and Mac Jones, you, you kind of know what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, okay. I guess that gets us to our wild cards now. I, I Before people kill me, Chargers are the five seed, even though I have the, even though I have the Chiefs winning the division. Uh, I don't think there's much question there. Um, six and seven seeds. This is where I think it gets a little tough. Uh, I'll say six seed Bengals. Uh, this is where it gets hard because this is sort of a Browns question, because I think the Browns are certainly a playoff team that Sean Watson's playing. If he's not, then I don't think they make it. And then you probably have, like, the Steelers, Dolphins, Patriots, like that group of teams. Um, uh, Titans, obviously, as well. Um, between the Titans, Titans and Patriots for the seventh seed, I'll go with the Patriots. Okay, I I feel very conflicted on that.
2: I'm enjoying this because you and I you and I are disagreeing. This is one mm,
1: of never mind. Derrick Henry factor. I'm putting Titan 7 seed. Sorry, oh, I, I I was wow. I was, yeah, okay. So I'm gonna do one to seven. Ravens. Uh, yeah, one to seven. Ravens, Bills, Chiefs. Uh, what are they? Oh, Ravens, Bills, Chiefs, Colts, then five, six, seven is Chargers, Bengals, Titans.
2: Gotcha. So I'm at Bills, Chargers, Ravens, Colts, one through four. Uh Then I'm gonna go five. I've got as Bengals. Okay. Sixth, I've got as the Chiefs. Uh huh. Seventh, I'm gonna go with the Broncos.
1: No, I think that's fair. I the only thing I have with the Broncos is I they're they're going to be in that group of teams for that 6 and 7 seed too. I just I don't know if I buy Russell Wilson. Like I don't know if I buy that whole offense. He's going to be playing a lot of too high in the AFC and being in the AFC West in general struggled with that. Uh, I don't know if I mean the Broncos have good weapons, but like I don't think they have like really elite tier weapons when it comes to like comparing against the rest of the afc west um but yeah no i could certainly see the broncos being in there Uh, someone had broncos country let's ride in the chat uh alex doesn't want to ride
2: alex doesn't want to ride
1: guys i'm not gonna ride with russell wilson this time although i could i could see it i i just i don't know i'm worried about russell wilson decline if i'm if i'm the broncos based on uh based on what we've seen, uh, if he really falls out of being a top 10 quarterback. But I don't know. I could, I could mm-hmm. see the Broncos being in that group, but I think that that could be one of the things also where people predict three AFC West teams from the beginning of the mm-hmm. season, and then they just all start to beat on each other, and like two of them fall out of it like that. Oh, so my, I, I yeah. wouldn't put three AFC West teams in, but it still could end up being that way. Um, but yeah, so okay, to recap, what were your seven again?
2: So my seven are the uh, Bills, Chargers, Ravens, Colts, Bengals, Chiefs, and Broncos.
1: Okay. And yeah, my seven were Ravens, uh, Ravens, Bills, Chiefs, uh, I keep forgetting the AFC sound because they're so forgettable, Colts, Colts. then Chargers, uh, then Bengals, then Titans. So that is my seven. I feel a little bit weird about the picks because I don't, there's always like the whole, oh, well, I guess I put the Ravens back in and I put the chargers in and they didn't make the playoffs last year. So I do, I do have enough shakeup, but yeah, I, the bottom, you can make so many arguments for those six and seven seeds where you have like Mm -hmm. probably a solid six teams that could be in those two seeds. Um, after once you get past like the first five. So, um, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's going to be interesting, but let us so know in look, the chat.
2: Yep. Yeah. Look, looking at your, uh, only your list, Alex, which team scares you the most in the playoffs specifically against our roster? Um, mm-hmm.
1: I, I'd say probably out of that list. I think the bills just because I think the chargers have had some, it's a little bit outdated. They had some success against Lamar. Uh, and kind of containing that Harbaugh system, plus they don't have a lot of, like, top-tier weapons for the playoffs. Um, but the Bills, if you're talking about that potentially being a road game, um, based on my seating in the cold weather, Josh Allen, and they don't really have, like, a great running game to challenge the Chargers, but that is one of the days where you would have, like, the secondary be absolutely tested against Stephon Diggs, who's one of the best route runners in the NFL, um mm-hmm. i don't see that going super well for the chargers uh, although you know you never know what would play out this year but yeah i mean they really what that comes down to is we have herbert and they have an allen right like they they have one of the three guys in the league that can that can really counter punch uh, at quarterback and so for me i i would probably be most scared of the bills
2: gotcha i would say out of your seven Raven- yeah i would say the ravens i i would yeah, yeah. um And the reason solely being because of Staley's unique defense and how it might leave us with the complicated zone schemes and whatnot, Mm -hmm. a a little exposed to potential breakdowns with a quarterback that can scramble for a little bit longer than the mean. You know, between that, between his ability to potentially just stay alive in the pocket, which, and that's where we gave up a lot of plays last year is when, you know, the quarterback was able to scramble for a bit and mix up our guys. That and the fact that Mariota was able to come in and be the most productive rusher for the Raiders against our best defensive front. Like we did, we did get a little mixed up with read options and with those type of things. So is that gap and a half system of Staley's as effective when running in option style defense or just having option wrinkles in there that they would probably have for Lamar. So that would be my, my biggest concern, I think.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we saw that last year. Obviously, the Chargers were pretty hurt entering that Ravens game and had some injuries, but the Ravens offense did did not let up uh, on them all game long, and and that turned into a a long afternoon. So Cal Slime asks in the chat, if Kyle has Denver at seven, does that mean he predicts uh, the Chargers to split with the Broncos? What do you think about that one?
0: It's a
2: really good question. Uh, I haven't broken down how I think the Chargers are going to do game after game. But I, I just – I don't think it takes much out of Russell Wilson for Denver to be more competitive this year. Sure. And I just – Drew Locke just seemed like a disaster to me. I think if he – I mean, gosh, him alone for pointing at Bosa and saying he's tired and just poking the bear, it's dumb. But, um, so building off that, will it happen? really hard guys i come i come, I've come on the show with alex and with the other guys from guilty is charged and i'm tasked with being objective right i should no. not just come on here and be a freaking homer
0: mm. but this
2: is the best i've seen our roster in what 15 years 20 years how long has it been probably 15 years i really think there's a chance that we have a 14 and 3, 15 and 2 type season and really tear it up. Is that something that's gonna happen? No, do I think there's a strong chance? Yes. So do I want to come in right off the bat and say a team that I think is gonna be just scraping into the playoffs should split uh split their games with us? No, I, I think there's a strong chance that we take them down twice. In fact, if if we are going to go four and two in our division, that should be the team that we do it against, even though I didn't have the Raiders sliding in. I definitely think the Raiders and Broncos are pretty interchangeable to me. So I hope that we're able to, you know, beat both of them twice.
1: Yeah. See, th- the problem is they play a mile high. Like th- that would be one of those situations mm-hmm. where if they didn't play there, I would pick the Chargers to win. But something always goes wrong. Like there's always like, uh, what was it, a couple of years ago when uh, Philip Rivers took the sack and they ran out the clock. Uh, Mm -hmm. that was a, that was a big one, obviously when they blew like a 16 point lead, uh, with not much time remaining. So I don't know that that's been a house of horrors for them to try to get over. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I go split with the Broncos and chiefs by default. And then I I think the sweet potential is like the Raiders, just because I think the Raiders are much Mm -hmm. worse defensively than those other two teams. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to see them go four and two, five and one in the division. That'd be great, six and zero oh even. Um, but, but I, I always start predicting three and three in the division because I'm just a coward. And <laughs> I've seen too many years <laughs> where they've gone one and five and two and four in the division, and I've kind of blown up their season because of that. But uh, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, and then so I'm sort of followed up followed up with this question: Who's the most sweepable? Uh, I tend to think it's the Raiders. Out of, out of that group. If there's a team where I had to bet that they go 2-0 against, um, it, it would be them.
2: I would go with – it's funny that I'm like – it feels like I'm backtracking here. But within mm-hmm. the division, I think it might be the Broncos. Just because they – the Raiders adding Devontae and having as many offensive That's weapons true. as they have. Um, they're going to be a really, really interesting – team to test our defense against because like like you and i talked about before alex we've got our guy that can man up against their number one but who's going to be their number one they have three guys that on other teams would be the primary option in waller renfro and Devontae. so watching that game is going to give us a very clear indication of how staley plans on you know rolling out this defense for the remainder of the year
1: yeah, no, I, I I agree. I yeah, I go back and forth, but I, I, yeah, to me they're interchangeable, and I've I've gone back and forth on like who's three and four in the division because I, I think no matter how you order them, I do think it's Chiefs one, Chargers two. But even if you think it's Chiefs two or Chiefs two, Chargers one, like I think those are clearly the top two teams, and then you can probably swap the Chiefs uh, or the Broncos and the Raiders at the bottom. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I that's sort of like my thing with the division. I, I think they're really close together. Raiders have better offensive weapons. Broncos have a better quarterback. Broncos have a much better defense. But, yeah, um, the, the interesting thing about both of them is, like, I have no idea what to make of their coaching situations. Um, mm-hmm. Because Nathaniel Hackett's obviously coming over from Green Bay, um, you know, with a new quarterback, pretty much completely new offense. And now, yeah, with the Raiders, you're bringing in Josh McDaniels. Uh who has had some trouble in New England, um, and obviously is like one of the biggest quitter phonies in the world. Uh I was so just about to I,
2: say they yeah. haven't announced who's calling plays yet. Maybe it's because McDaniels <laughs> yeah. is still
1: in the mix. Josh <laughs> McDaniels is coming back. Oh my god. Yeah. Um yeah, I just I don't know how you hire that guy to be a head coach again. I, I don't know how he keeps getting this many chances, but uh here we go with the Rangers, I guess, in, in the attempt to become Patriots West. Um, Ooh, ooh, okay. I guess this is a good question to end on since we just talked about division. Uh, We just talked about the AFC playoff team's floor and ceiling for our record if we stay relatively healthy.
2: And we're assuming that Herbert is safe and bubble-wrapped the entire season. Yeah, Um, I would
1: assume that's what we meant by relatively healthy because if we have Chase Daniel getting thrown in, then we're not relatively healthy.
2: (laughs) yeah i think Uh, we could go 15 and two i think we could do it if if we stayed relatively healthy like we've said i think adding a few like i actually think that's well within the realm i think we're likely to go um i think we're more likely to go 13 and four so if you were like to make one of those brackets like one of those candlesticks I think 15 and two would be like everything goes right for us this season. 13 and four is probably more realistic and within, like, kind of just the mean of where we should be falling. And even if we take some key injuries, but maintain Herbert, but just have some bad swings um, overall, I don't think we should finish worse with this roster than 11 and six, personally.
1: Yeah. I'll say, I think the floor is 10 and seven. Um, I think that, you know, this is kind of like, if things go wrong, um, if they lose like a couple close games, they shouldn't, you know, plus injuries uh, or just like bad coaching calls in general, like, you know, that's always a possibility where they get like a really unlucky penalty in one of those games um, or a missed field goal, which has been this team's mm-hmm. bane of their existence prior to Dustin Hopkins getting here. Um yeah, I, I would say ten and seven is the floor. Ceiling, I'm not going to go quite as high as fifteen and two, but I'll say ceiling is fourteen and three. I'll say I'll say mm-hmm. between ten and fourteen, that that is kind of where I'm at. Um, but yeah, no, I mean obviously, if there's not a whole lot of difference between fourteen and three and fifteen and two, right? If you get like one lucky result, uh, one of those division games, that could just be the difference. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for today's QA, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for coming out. Thanks for your super chats. Uh, as always, you can follow, follow Kyle at the Kyle D on Twitter. You can follow me at Alex uh, Innsdorf99. How to remember my Twitter handle. You can follow the podcast at Podcast17. And we will see you guys next show. I don't know when we're going to be doing the next show. I don't know what it will be in these uh, two weeks that Steven Tyler is on vacation. We're still manufacturing the content, but. We'll try to figure
2: out some show ideas in the meantime and see if we do Q&A next week. So see you guys later.